I love sports. Okay, there's my brother right there. He, he loves sports, but probably not as much as I do. I love sports. But I don't love sports so much for the entertainment aspect of it. I mean, that's part of it. But what intrigues me about sports is the game plan that each team comes up with when they face each other. You know, like this Sunday, we have a very big game coming up. We have the Super Bowl. We have two teams that are about to come at each other. And before they do, I'm sure that they're preparing a game plan for that day. And that's what intrigues me because I'm wondering, what is Bill Belichick going to do? Is he going to run? Is he going to pass? What strategy did he come up with for that game? And everyone knows, if you're a sports fan, that every coach in every team, in every sport, has a game plan before the game begins. They have gotten a plan that they've developed long before they meet their opponent, which is part of their strategy in order to accomplish a desired goal. As Christians, God has a game plan that he's come up with and developed long before you and I was ever born, which is part of his strategy in order to accomplish a desired goal. And we have to be very careful not to be content with just being a part of God's team and settling for as being spectators on the sidelines rather than getting into the game as a participator, executing God's plan so that we can win the race in the end. Are you hearing me this, morning, this evening? So we have to be very careful. We need to understand that God has come up with a masterful plan, a foolproof plan. That you and I are very much a part of. A plan that he developed long before you and I were born. To fulfill a purpose. And tonight we're going to talk about this game plan that God has developed for you and I. Amen. 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 Understand that God expects our greatest effort in pursuing him and pursuing his plan. So we can fulfill this particular purpose that God has. When we talk about a plan, or when we talk about God's plan, we're talking about an arrangement, uh, a blueprint, a design, a strategy that God has come up with specifically to fulfill a purpose. And tonight you're going to hear me use the word purpose and plan interchangeably. But I want you to go to Exodus chapter 25. And we begin there. Because everything God does is always with a plan and with a purpose. And we know that throughout the Bible, we see how God has a plan. When Adam and Eve failed in the garden, God had a plan. When Pharaoh refused to let go of God's people, God had a plan. When God led the children of Israel into the wilderness... Half of them did not enter into the promised land. I should say this first generation because of their rebellion and their disobedience. But God still had a plan. He still had a people that he led into the promised land. And I'm going to be very careful not to get ahead of myself. But I understand that God never wastes a moment. Because God is the God of purpose. Everything God does is with a plan in, in mind. 
So in Exodus chapter 25, we read a story where God calls Moses into the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. And in that time, God was telling him and giving instructions on a construction project that God wanted Moses to do. And we pick up in verse 8 where he says this. Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. And notice what he says. Notice what he didn't say. He said, Moses, I want you to go and build me a tabernacle and then get back to me when you're done. No, that's not what he said. Look at what he says in verse 9. He says, you must. Not you might. Not you should. But you must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. God showed Moses the blueprint for this tabernacle. God showed him every detail. As a matter of fact, the next several chapters after that is a detailed plan or blueprint of God's plan or or, or design for building this tabernacle. The dimension and size of the tabernacle, the, the, the materials to use, the, the, the precious stones, even the, the, the priestly garments he had a design for. Which tells me that every detail in our lives, God has already planned out. And in order for it to be, to, uh, to it be to fulfilled, we have to follow it in, in the detail that God has put it out for us, the, the way God has planned it out for us. And that's very important to understand because God has a very detailed plan, a blueprint that can't be altered or changed. Amen. So let's look at First Chronicles chapter 28. Let's look at another, uh, another example. This is over 400 years later where David had this idea, this plan to build a better tabernacle. Something more permanent, something more elaborate, something much bigger. Than the tabernacle of Moses. But then God appeared to David and says, no, that's not my plan for you. That's Solomon's plan. That's Solomon's responsibility. That's my plan for him. And so God, so we pick up in verse 11 where David gave his son Solomon the plans for the vestibule, its houses, its treasuries, its upper chambers, its inner chambers, and the place of the mercy seat. Notice what he says. David gave the Solomon, his son, the plans. What plans? Where do you suppose David got these plans? Well, look in verse 19. He says, all this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me all the works of these plans. All these blueprints. In other words, Solomon was not to build the, the, the tabernacle on his own skill, in his own ability, or in his own wisdom. He was to build this tabernacle according to the blueprint that God established for them. So that tells me that there's a blueprint for everything that God does. Now go to Romans chapter 8. This is a Bible study, so we're just going to go through the scriptures tonight. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 in the Amplified Version says this. We are assured and know that God being a partner in their labor, all things work together, and I watch this, and are fitting into a plan for good 
Two and four, those who love God and are called according to his design and purpose. Now, the word work together from a grammatical standpoint is written in the present action, which indicates a continual process. In other words, God is continually working together all things. The word purpose here signifies a plan or God's plan or God's purpose. It also says here in verse 28, all things. Now, all things means all things. Great revelation there. That also includes all of our disappointments, all of our failures, all of our mistakes, all of our trials. All of these things God brings together, harmonizes them together, and make it work for our good. We see a good example of Joseph. And we know the story of Joseph being sold by his brothers into slavery as a young man. Spending 13 years as a slave and then as an inmate. 13 miserable years. 13 years of disappointments. 13 years of wondering or asking, God, where are you? 13 years wondering if life is ever going to change for him. But God was able to work all of those things out for his good. Amen. Amen. So all things work together, harmonize together for our good. That means that God will take all things and as they're working together, the providence of God is working. The spirit of God is working and all are working for our good according to his purpose. Amen. Now, as believers, we need to understand that when we are not saved and become born again by chance or by haphazard, God doesn't convert us without design. God doesn't convert us without purpose. Amen. What he does, he always meant to do. And what he always meant to do is always according to a blueprint, a plan that he's established. In Ephesians 1.11, it says this. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him. Watch this. Who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So God is working something that has something to do with his plan and then you and I are very much a part of that. So it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. If you are patient and if you're willing to hang in there and trust God, believe that God's going to work it out for your good. Amen. Amen. I remember Amen. several years ago, I made a decision based on a plan that I had. It was a very bad decision. A plan did not, that did not work out very well. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> because of this plan that I thought was a good plan, it made my life miserable. I suffered for it because of a bad decision. Now, let me make this clear. God had nothing to do with that. That was all me. That was all my decision. 
I was responsible for the decision I made and for the misery that I went through. Are you hearing me? But there came a point in my life where I opened up my heart and found God. And when I opened up my heart and allowed him to come into my life, then God began to work his plan. And all the things that I had gone through in that part of my life, I saw God transform not only my life personally, but also change my situation for good. Because I realized, you know, you know, you come to a point in your life when you realize, man, I, I, I'm not very good at making plans. <laughs> so it, it, wouldn't it be easier just to trust God and, and follow his plans? In, in Genesis chapter 1, once you go there, Genesis chapter 1, as we look through the scriptures and we see how God has a plan for everything. In in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. But before there was a beginning, there was God and a plan. In Genesis 1, verse 14, we read where God begins to create the heavens. Verse 14 says, Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Verse 16. Then God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day, which is the sun. The lesser light to rule the night, which is the moon. And then he made the stars also. And then God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. So what we see here is God creating the heavens. We also find out why he created the heavens. There was a plan. He created the heavens for the purpose of the earth. We see here that he created the heavens to light the earth. Amen. Now go to Isaiah chapter 45. Verse 18, where it says this, For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it in vain, who formed it to what? To be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no other. So God first creates the heavens for the purpose of the earth. Then God creates the earth for the purpose of the of man, Because it was God's purpose and plan for man to rule over all God's creation and have dominion over all God's creation. That was a purpose for the earth. So I, I want you to see a pattern here. That God has a plan for everything that he does. Know that the universe is not, uh, not like a car without a driver. And, the, and it's not a car or a driver without a, a GPS. God knows exactly what he's doing. There's purpose in everything that God does. Amen. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. This is one of my favorite verses in verse 10. It says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
Now, let me bring your attention to the word workmanship. Because the word workmanship means a thing of his making or a handiwork. A workmanship is someone's, is a product of someone's labor. Now, of course, he was referring to our recreation because he said we were created in Christ Jesus. He was talking about our born-again experience. Because no one can, can do what God does when it comes to being born again. That's a supernatural experience, not a natural one. Only God can do something like that. It's his power and creative work that is working in us, causing us to be born again. Amen? So because we're... Born again, a new creation, all things that pass away and all things become new, we become his workmanship or his handiwork. Now, let me stop for a moment to talk to you about the uniqueness of purpose. Everybody here in their homes have uh, a manufactured product, appliances, such as a stove, a microwave, a toaster, a blender, a food processor. If you don't have any of those things, then you're probably still in the Stone Age years. <laughs> but they do exist. But these are all things that are commonly found in the home. And each of these appliances has their workmanship. They're all designed differently, and they all have parts that work differently than the others. And each one of these appliances have their own unique reason for being. Their own unique reason for existing. Now, if the appliances decide to operate outside of their workmanship, outside of their reason for being there, then you're going to have some problems. If you try to cook in the refrigerator, or if you try to freeze something in your microwave, you're going to have a difficult situation in your hands because that is not its workmanship. That is not what it's designed to do. Are you hearing me? The workmanship is used for whatever the creator designed it to do. Okay? The toaster does not tell its creator, this is what I'm going to do today. The microwave does not tell its creator, this is what I'm going to do today. No. It's the creator that dictates to the appliance its reason for being. Let me say that again. It is the creator... That dictates to the appliance its reason for being. The, the appliance simply does whatever it's designed to do. It cannot do anything other than what it's designed to do. What its workmanship is. Are you hearing me tonight? In the same way that God, or we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, and He, not we, dictates what we are designed to do. Only he, not we, can tell us why we exist. I can't tell you why you exist. You can't tell yourself why you exist. Only God can do that. Because he is your creator. He's the one that gives us purpose. And if you ever try to operate outside of what you're designed to do, that's when we experience problems. Several years ago, I heard Dr. Miles Monroe make a statement that to this day, it, it stuck with me. And it changed my life, actually. It was a very profound statement. Some of you may have heard, have heard it, but he said this. He said that when you don't know the purpose of a thing, 
Abuse is inevitable. That's why you have wife abuse. Because husbands don't know the purpose of their wives. That's why you have child abuse. Because parents don't know the purpose of children. Anytime you work outside of what you're designed to do, you're going to abuse it. You're going to run into some problems. Understand that walking in the purpose of God, or walking in the purpose of what God designed us to do, that's how we fulfill his purpose. That's how we fulfill his plan. That's how we operate in our reason for being, or existing, or or, or completing why we exist. There's a reason, a plan, why we're here. You know, I think if we remind ourselves of that, that we have purpose, that we have meaning, we do have a plan, I think that will eliminate a lot of depression. Are you hearing me? I think that if we remind ourselves that we are here for a reason, it would eliminate all kinds of depression. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Listen, each of us has an eternally designed job description that includes the task, the ability, and the place or arena in which for us to serve. Amen. Remember that. And it's God that's working it all out according to his purpose. Right. Ephesians 1 verse 11 says this. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Pastor John touched on this last week when he, when he talked about the word predestined because so many Christians get hung up on that word. And he skillfully and simply put it like this. Predestination is simply planning beforehand. If you invited 10 people to your house for a dinner engagement or dinner party, you go to the grocery store and you buy groceries for 10 people. When you come home into the kitchen, you're cooking for 10 people. You set the table for 10 people. You make sure you have enough chairs for 10 people. But then four people call and say they can't make it for whatever reason. Does that mean that the dinner party is is over? No. It just means that four people don't get to enjoy the dinner. Are you hearing what I'm saying? My point here is this. God calls all men to be a part of his game plan. But all men are free to either accept or reject the call. You can make plans all you want to. You know, last year, how many of you remember the Super Bowl last year? That still stings me right now. So I'm really reluctant about talking about it because it's still painful. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay. But I'm going to suck it up in order to make this, this point. During the game, if some of you remember, Edelman, one of the key players for the Patriots, got hurt and was taken out of the game. Okay. Again, this is very painful for me right now. So... Because of that, he was taken out of the game. He was never to return. Did the game end when, he, when, they, when Edelman was taken out? 
The Bill Belichick called the referee and says, listen, we might as well cancel the game. Edelman is out. No, unfortunately, the game went on. And unfortunately, the Patriots lost. Because you see, because when Edelman went out, Bill Belichick simply put another guy in to replace him. Which didn't do any good because they still lost. But the game continued. My point is, is this. The game plan never changes. The players do. Only the players change. But God's plan never changes. No matter what the circumstances are. God is the one who drew up the plan for everything. He planned it out in every detail to carry out for his purpose and plan. Now go with me to Jeremiah chapter 1. When God designed this blueprint for our lives, he designed it in a way for us to fit into this game plan. That's what I love again, what I love about the strategy of sports. Because <coughs> coaches try to match up players. They look at the other team and then see their strength and their weaknesses. And then they look at their own strength and weaknesses see how can we match up. How can we exploit their weaknesses and how can we overcome their strength. And then based on the players that they have and the abilities that they, play, that they have among their players, they do their matchups. God fits us perfectly in whatever game plan he has for us. Now, in Jeremiah chapter 1, and I love this because in verse 4 it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I sanctified you, and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Amen. Notice how he, what he said. He said, before I formed you, the word form means to squeeze into shape. He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. How can you know someone who doesn't exist? Yet God says, I knew you before I even formed you. That means that God already knew him in his mind, in his heart. According to his blueprint, God had already developed a relationship. You see, that word knew is, is more than just knowing somebody intellectually. It, it's a word that is used to describe an intimate relationship between husband and wife. But in this context, it's talking about the close and personal relationship. Before God created you and shaped you and formed you, he already formed a relationship with you. And as he formed the relationship, and just here's the thing, as he's forming this relationship with you, he's also forming a plan and a blueprint that's fit for you. Amen. And that's how he gets to know you. He says, oh man, this is going to be great. I'm going to enjoy this person because of what this person is going to do for me. And that's what we see here with Jeremiah. Because what God did was, he said, before I, you were born... I sanctified you. Everything that God did for Jeremiah, he did before he was born. Amen. Right. He separated him, fit him into a plan, called him, and ordained him to be a prophet. Right. That was part of God's plan for Jeremiah's life. No one knows you like God does. Amen. You may think you know yourself, and you do, but not as good as God does. Because he created you. He formed you. But before he did that, he already knew you. 
And he already was forming and shaping and, and coming up with a blueprint just for you. So that you can fit right into that plan Amen. to fulfill his purpose. Amen. Go to Psalm 139. Verse 13 says this. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. Now keep in mind he's talking about you and I. Marvelous are your works, O Lord. And that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unborn. Once again, we see the example where God already saw us before we were, we were ever born, before there was even substance or form. Before we even took shape, God already knew you. And in your book, they were all written. And the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. The New Living Translation says it like this. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had been passed. You talk about the details of your life. God has it. So that's how intimately God knows us. And just like Jeremiah, you and I were designed. Wonderfully, fearfully, and skillfully made to fit into this blueprint that God has for us. We are his workmanship. And this is why you and I are so valuable to God that he was willing to pay a price Amen. for each one of us. How many of you know, I'm sure you all know Leonardo da Vinci? Right? You all know Leonardo da Vinci? Okay, he's not from North Providence. He's uh, he, not from Atwell Avenue. He's, uh, he's the famous painter, and we know him because of the masterpiece that he painted called the Mona Lisa. Do you know what that's worth? Does anybody have any idea what that painting is worth? In 1962, it was assessed at $100 million. That was 57 years ago. Do you know what it's worth today? Over $600 million. Imagine that. But stop and think about this. We're talking about a canvas and paint, which in itself is not worth anything. No, but understand this, that the value is not in the painting. The value is in the skill of the hands of the master that painted it. Are you hearing what I'm saying here? Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. You and I are priceless because we were created by the skilled hands of the greatest master of all time. His name is God. Amen. Our good father. And that's because he's got a plan. God marvelously planned out our lives in detail because you have such great value to God. You, have, you, you are very much a part of his plan. You are very much a part of what he wants to do on this earth. Amen. 
And that's why you're such a valuable piece, a valuable commodity to God. Go to Psalm 33. One of the things about God's plan is His plan is inevitable. That means His plan will always prevail. God's plan is eternal. That's why His plan will, shall, and must come to completion. It's inevitable because God is sovereign. That means no demon, no devil, no saint, no sinner can alter, change, or interrupt God's plan. In Psalm 33, verse 11, it says this. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Now that word counsel refers to God's plan or purpose. And it says that his counsel or his plan will stand or continue forever. In other words, it will always prevail. And here's the thing. And again, I'm probably getting ahead of myself here. God's plan will always prevail. And it's inevitable. And it's going to continue on and carry out God's will and purpose. With or without you. Let me just put that out there. Go to Isaiah chapter 14. Listen to what Isaiah 14, 27 says. The Lord of heaven's armies was spoken. Who can change his plans? When his hands is raised, who can stop him? Hebrews 6, 17 says that God had bound himself to an oath, a promise, so that those who receive the promise can be assured that God will never change his mind. Because when God said it, He's got to do it. He's got to be accountable to what he says. The Bible says that he, he watches over his word to perform it. So God has to stand by his word. So nothing, so when it comes to God's plan for your life, it's going to be completed. But again, the question is, are you going to be on the bench or you're going to be in the game? Because you cannot fulfill his plan. You cannot execute his plan unless you're in the game. Are you hearing me? Yes, sir. You got to be in the game. You can't be in sidelines and watch the game from the sidelines. Right. You can enjoy it. You can cheer. But you're never going to be a part of the victory. Right. You have to be in the game in order to execute whatever God plans has for your life. We'll go to Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah 46, verse 10 says this. Declaring the end from the beginning, that means God has already determined your destiny from the beginning. Unless, as long as we stay in that path, as long as we stay within that plan. Then he goes on to say, from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and will do all of my pleasure. He says, my counsel, my plans will stand. The word stand means to arise. That means that God's plan will always rise above every obstacle, every challenge, everything that tries to get in the way of God's plan. It rises above it. His plan will always be completed. His plan will, shall, and must come to pass. Because he said it. But all other plans will fail. Plans that has nothing to do with God will fail. 
going back to what I shared about my decision back in the day. Even as an unsafe person, I should have known better, but I still made the decision, and I paid for it. But when I gave my life to the Lord, God says, okay, now he's in a position for me to fulfill my plan for his life. And so what he did was the plan that I made, he brought it to nothing. And took me out and brought me to a place within his plan. And God is still working these things out in my life. And for me personally, I thank God for that. And I always remind myself of where I was and how far I've come. And and what God brought me out of. I I appreciate God so much because of that. In Psalm, go to Psalm 33. All other plans will fail. Any plan that's outside of God's will has got to fail. Psalm 33 verse 10 says this. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the people of no effect. In Acts chapter 5, in verse 38, you don't need to turn there, but this is when the apostles were going around preaching the gospel, and and they were doing signs and wonders and miracles and healing all kinds of people, but this stirred the Pharisees, and they didn't like it. So they brought all the apostles before the council, and they did not like how they responded, because all they simply were doing was simply fulfilling and speaking God's purpose and plan. And this made them furious that they wanted to kill them. But one of the members of the council said, wait a minute, let's ask him to go out and let's convene. So the apostles stepped out and they all began to talk to each other. And this man, this one particular man says this, listen, leave these men alone. Let them do what they do. Because if this is their plan, it's going to come to nothing. But then he said, but if it's God's plan, you will not overthrow it. And he says, and if you come against it, you're going to be fighting against God. And of course, if you're fighting against God, you're not going to win that battle. I can tell you that right now. All other plans will fail. Go to Proverbs 21. Verse 30. Says this. No human wisdom or understanding or plan can stand against the Lord. Yeah, right. I, and I, I mean, there are so many examples in the Bible. I can tell you in Isaiah 14 when the devil had a plan to be like the most high God. How did that work for him? Didn't work well for him, did it? We saw Joseph, his brothers planned to get rid of him. And they thought they did. Until several years later when they found him and met up with him and realized, oh my goodness. What do we do? But the Bible says in Genesis 50 verse 20. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is to this day to save many people alive. In other words, to fulfill God's purpose. Oh my goodness, I'm running out of time here. Let's close with Philippians chapter 2. There was a, a, how many of you remember Tom Landry, the football coach for the Dallas Cowboys several years ago? 
He was being interviewed one day, and, and, and he made this statement. He says this. He said, the job of a football coach is to make men do what they don't want to do in order to achieve what they've always wanted to be. Now, that's similar to God's business with us. Because God sometimes gets us to do what we don't want to do in order to be what he called us to be so that we can achieve God's desired goal. Sometimes when God calls us to do something, it, appears, it may appear to be difficult. It may appear to be challenging. It may appear to be scary or even uncomfortable. You may want to prefer serving God in Jerusalem, but you would glorify God more in Babylon if that's where God called you. But if you know that God has a plan, and you know that you fit into that plan, and you know that God is working all things, no matter what you go through in life, then you can face any challenge. Because you know that God's got your back. And you know that God is continually working all things, no matter how difficult the challenge may be. And if you're willing to be patient, and willing to trust God and hang in there, Watch what God does. Because you're giving God a chance to fulfill his plans. Because you become a part of that. And he needs your cooperation. Remember, as I mentioned to you earlier, you have an eternally designed job description that comes with the task, the ability, as well as the place or area that God wants you to serve. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 it says this for it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure in other words it was part of God's plan to work out his will in and through us and you know we how many of you have ever said this in your vocabulary I can't do it I don't know if I can do it I don't know if I can go on I don't know if I can handle this. How many of you have ever said that before? Well, we need to wipe that from our vocabulary. Amen. Because God says it is him that works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. Remember Romans 8.28, he says, all things work together for good. Ephesians 1.11 says, in him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Wherever you might be, whatever you might be going through, whatever challenges you face, God is working in and through you to fulfill a desired plan, a blueprint that you are very much a part of, that you fit right into to fulfill a particular purpose. And God needs you to work with him so that he can work with you, in you, and through you to fulfill his plan. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Listen, that's all I have time for tonight. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your wonderful plan. Thank you, Father God, that you've got our back. Thank you, Father God, that we can face any challenge in life. 
Thank you, Father God, that no matter what we go through, you're working it all out for our good. Father, we thank you that your purpose and plan for our lives will rise above every challenge, every difficulty, every obstacle, every hindrances that we face in life. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for counting us worthy, O oh God, to be a part of your master plan. And Lord, we just give you glory and honor and praise for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. And Lord, for this we thank you. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen. At this time, I want all eyes closed. Nobody looking around.